I'm Mark Stedman, and this is the proverbial it. I'm John Hickman, and I think I feel good about it. I'm John Bounds, and this is pretty much the same as all the previous months, except there is uh, nothing on television anymore. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the leopard. Well, from the outpost, and for the penultimate time in this current incarnation, this is Beware of the Leopard. At the end of this episode, you'll have a complete reference section for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy all lined up in your podcatcher, all, all nice like that. Don't crack the spines. Uh, we don't have that many topics to choose from, uh, and it's um, frankly a crime that we've landed on this next one without Danny, but rest assured he will be back with us next week for our finale. So uh, let's just um, talk about this guy, you know? <laughs> Zaphod Beeblebrox is, or was, uh, president of the Imperial Galactic Government. His favourite mother is Alice Beeblebrox of 108 Astral Crescent Zavuzelchester, Beetlejuice 5. Uh, Zaphod's great-grandfather is Zaphod Beeblebrox IV. He grew an extra arm for Trillion, which took him six months and has never been referenced outside of the radio series, uh, if uh, unless I'm much mistaken. And Ford Prefect delivers one of my favourite ever lines about the man, saying, you go to pieces so fast, people get hit by the shrapnel. Ah, guys, 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 what are your favourite lines spoken by or of Zaphod? Um, I'm so hip, I can't see over my pelvis. Have I got that right? I'm so hip, I can't see over my pelvis. Yeah, I'm so cool, you could keep a side of beef in me for a month. Yeah, the, the hip and pelvis one, it sounds perfect, and then you stop and think about it, and you're like, that doesn't... Makes no logical make any sense. sense. <laughs> I'm so hip, I can't look over my pelvis. My, my favourite Zaphod line, and you'll know the exact words, Mark, is the uh, <laughs> examining, exam, uh, uh, is, imagine I'm holding a gun. <laughs> you are you are holding a gun. Oh, it should be pretty easy to imagine. Um, if it makes it any easier, imagine I have a blaster ray in my hand. You do have a blaster ray in your hand. Well, it shouldn't be too easy to, uh, to too taxing of your imagination. Yeah, something like that. It's uh, that's the one with Bill Patterson in it. And uh, is this guy boring you? That's that's uh... <laughs> yes. Which he never. Well, obviously Zayford said it, but not in the radio series. It was it was uh, Arthur who delivered the line. Ah, such a nerd, such a nerd, guys. I've got to, I've got to get it out somewhere. I'm not going to have an outlet soon. So do I mean Arthur doesn't particularly like Zayford. No, and. Um, I was thinking about this, and you know, in So Long and Thanks for All the Fish, where there's a quite depressing uh, section, and um, Douglas talks to, turns to you, dear reader, and doesn't say, reader, I married him. He says, <laughs> you can skip the next bit, essentially, if you don't want to read it. You can skip to the end, and there's a good bit, and it's got Marvin in it. <laughs> oh, yes. And it's like throwing it up and going like, oh, Jesus, this is the crap you all like. I'm trying to pour my heart out to you. Uh, but this is the bit you like. And um, well, uh, actually, Zaphod's not in that book at all, is he? Um, but uh, and I was just thinking that um, I'm, if, if anyone ever said, don't worry, you can skip to this bit and it's got Zaphod in it, I would not be skipping. Um, I would, I'm, I was quite happy. I don't think uh, Zaphod's um, in any of my favourite bits. Mm. I don't think it's, I don't think he's, um, I don't think he's a great character. He's a uh, that's the he's the only character that exists of the, of the main sort of uh, trifecta or quadfecta or whatever you would say. Trifecta um, five parts, that, probably. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that would be it. 
<laughs> the, uh, he's there purely to, I mean, we know that, um, Trillian doesn't really have a point in the first two books. Mm-hmm. We know that, um, Marvin doesn't sort of comes into his own a little bit later on. Um, we actually know that, uh, I would say that, um, very few of the characters actually do anything in the, they're not, it's difficult <laughs> to say they're protagonists. They're just, they're just, they're just thing, things just tag them. Yeah. But the, um, but, uh, but Zay, I think you could honestly lose Zayfard from a lot of it. If you found another way to make the things that he makes happen, happen, if you see what I mean. Yeah. It could, it could have just been, it could have been just so easy. I can't figure out how to make that sentence work. Um, it could have been just as easy, I guess, if Douglas had decided that the ship became sentient through, I don't know, hand-wavy, probably infinite improbability drive, uh, Babelfish, um, and, and, and stole itself uh, so that it could go and visit the man in the shower. But isn't it more fun if you give it to a guy with two heads and three arms who's the president of the universe, pretends that he's cool and... Absolutely. Or, it, or, or, or is cool. It's much more. F- it's much more fun. That way. It is, and that's the wonderful thing about the fact that it was a radio series is you get to make one-off jokes like the the fact that we discover that he has a third arm is uh, mm-hmm. Trillian says something along the lines of Zayfard, please take your hand off me and the other one. Thank you, and the other one. I grew that one especially for you, Trillian. You know that. Took me six months, but it was worth every minute. But and then it's never referenced again. And I I don't think he had three arms in any depiction that i can think of in the book maybe not the first book maybe the second book he has a second arm a third arm to help him with his ski boxing <laughs> right he uses it on the heart of gold when he's on the heart of gold by himself and he's in his um sort of fugue state oh is that when he's um arguing with the doors yeah yeah it's he, mm-hmm. he does do something with his third arm i think making drink he sits on it so it feels like someone else <laughs> <laughs> And um, it is it, it it is part of the Mark Wynn Davy costume in the TV show. Oh, it does pop. Yes, you're right. It does pop out, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, and his arm. Sean. Yeah. <laughs> Family show. Did I just out nerd you, Mark? Yeah. Oh no, no, totally. Yeah. The, like I, I will hand. I, I'm turning in my my nerd gun and my nerd badge. Took 26 letters, and finally I've defeated you. Are you? Def- I mean, okay. But what I'm what I'm getting from this, you two are defending Zayfard as a worthwhile character. No, no. I I'm with you, John. Uh, like initially, I think I just wanted to question it and and i think i was basically stalling to be like do i agree with john i know what i'll do i'll question <laughs> him until i can figure out whether i agree or not um no i i think i do agree with you because we need at least 30 minutes of this don't yeah we? we've got to pad it out lads um i <laughs> yeah no i i think i think i do agree um that he 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 really is the 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 plot driver um in in yeah in in so many ways like he he gets us to the th- to the thing. He is Captain Exposition. <laughs> I mean, like that that was Ford, but Ford exists to be um, the. I'm trying to think what what it is in terms of the hero's journey. Um, he's not quite the mentor, but it's something along those lines. Um, and so we need him for more reasons than just plot reasons. Uh, he he needs he needs to be that sort of mentor figure. Whereas Zaphod is yeah quite. Um, yeah, it's just there for gags, isn't it? What are our favourite depictions of Zaphod? So, you, I mean, really, you've got the film and the TV show, and I 
don't know that I love either. I'm not sure that I was a big fan of the flippy head version in the film. I think you could, I, yeah, I mean, given what the other liberties that um, Douglas would take with everything as it, as he transformed <laughs> smogrified into a, the next version, it would have been fair to have just not had a second head. I think in the film, it wasn't, it doesn't, he doesn't do anything. Um, I mean, literally, it doesn't do anything in the TV show because the, ele- <laughs> the electronics didn't work, did it? But the um, no. By the way, have you seen the uh, episode of Tomorrow's World where they demonstrate how it works? No. no. Oh, get yourself on the uh, YouTube's. It's um, on the YouTube's yeah. there. This is oh look, it, this can, this uh, button makes his eyes go <laughs> and stuff like that. It's, uh, oh, lovely. But no, yeah, I think um, I don't know. The, the TV show is. Okay, I think it did the best. It did the best that it could in terms of um, in terms of his head. I mean, it was a very well made up papier mâché head, as paper mâché papier mâché heads go. It was it was a good one. It's no Frank Sidemore, <laughs> but it's uh, it's up there. That, I mean, he doesn't need to do anything in the in the uh, TV series. It just sits there and looks surprised. <laughs> the, I mean, the idea is is when you go like, oh, I'm generic sci fi at the box. I'm going to give this planet two suns, and it doesn't work. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you can't orbit two suns. Um, so how would they be suns? Oh. So if um, you gave someone two heads, how would that work? How, are there any creatures with, with two heads? The worms actually have two heads, the idea that you can chop them in half and they'll both... Is that true? I don't know. Are there any creatures that... There was a QI thing about that, and, and I think it is it is, as you would imagine, a myth, because you can't make two sentient beings out of one mm. well you can but that's called sex um i don't <laughs> think i don't think cutting them in half does that so um yeah one of the, one of the things he does do with the second head and this again is um during that period where he's lost everybody and he's on the ship by himself is he has drinking races <laughs> with both of his heads mm-hmm. i think that's what he, i think he possibly he uses the third arm for the stopwatch <laughs> Um, but it, it, he des- it describes him drinking and the, trying to see which drink will hit his stomach first. Oh, the, the, there's a there's a lovely thing about um, w- uh, one drink going, uh, checking on the previous drink to see how that one's getting on and then sending a third one to see what happened to the first two. That's a whole bit I really like. In today's politically, uh, overly politically correct culture, if we were going to make a re- uh, Netflix special, would we actually be looking for uh, conjoined twins? to uh to play the role mm. or could we just get that um time when little and large the 80s tv comedians appear together in one great big suit <laughs> <laughs> so we just have a giant wide zaphod i'm now googling mm. furiously uh for a, an image of little and large in one suit and it might be a fever dream <laughs> No, no, I, I know exactly the picture. They're coming in from another angle. So I think I, I spoiled it a little bit by coming up with my uh, Zayfot is Douglas's father theory last time. Ah, yes. But let's think about this. If you wanted to make Zayfot a more likeable character, and I think that's the reason I don't like him, mm. because he's not very likeable. Mm-hmm. And I don't really like watching TV programmes or reading books or anything where I don't like the characters. Yes. I don't like it when they're unhappy. Yeah. I don't like it when bad things happen. No, you don't like conflict. I sort of, I wince when uh, Homer Simpson bangs his head. Oh, no. Yeah, so I've just got, I mean, I think, I think, what what would you do to make Zayfard 
worthwhile. Can he be likable? Can you have someone who's so intrinsically selfish or, well, self-centred and be likable? I don't know. I think you can. I think the reason we don't like him, and I'm I'm perfectly willing to be challenged on this, um, so um, fingers at the ready, John Hickman. Um, I think the reason we don't like him is because he's mean to Arthur and Arthur is our window into the world. And so he's, he, you know, Arthur is our guide and, um, or, you know, he is at least the, the person, obviously, you know, we, we all know that this narrative thing, of he's the, the cipher through which we understand the world and blah, blah, blah. And Zaphod is mean to him in a way that he's just cruel. Like he just picks on him. Um, in a way that other characters don't. Other characters kind of just ignore him. Like there's the, the whole thing when the uh, two uh, nuclear warheads from Magrathia are converging on the ship and Arthur's sort of sat next to the improbability drive button and he's like, what, what would happen if I press this? And everybody's just ignoring him. And so he just presses the button. And that's mostly what it is. People ignore him, but... Uh, uh, but Zaphod is actively mean to him. And I wonder if that's what it is, because everything else we can take. Um, Ford is as flawed uh, a character in in many ways. F- um, Ford is actually more destructive as a person because Zaphod was on a mission. Like, he didn't remember a lot of w- the mission, but he knew he had one and he was on one. Whereas, um, you know, Ford just wanted to get drunk and dance with girls, as we know. And so, yeah, that, that's what I, I, I think. I think he can be likable. I think it's just that he's mean to Arthur. Rebuttal. I think I'm not going to rebut it, but I think that's interesting. I think that's interesting. I think the, um, the idea that everyone else in the universe, by and large, treats all other creatures with not necessarily kindness, uh, but respect. There's a kind of unspoken word that all creatures of all different stripes are equal. Mm. and they might be in the way or they might hate them or they might have jobs that bring them into conflict or they might just, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. Zaphod treats Arthur, in, and Arthur exclusively on that little ship, mm-hmm. with with no respect, with disdain for his species. Disdain. And he, can't, and he doesn't yes. say that to Trillian, who's the same species. No, exactly. So it's kind of, um, yep. yeah, it, it's a... Uh, it's, uh, yeah, he's he's is the only uh is the only being in the universe that's gonna go around looking down on people, or is he? Last week Danny talked about um Arthur mm-hmm. in the sense of being having enough room for you to project things that you want to onto the character. Yes. One of the interesting things about Zaphod is is that that isn't just done in a in um that isn't just done through writing and it's not spoken of. It's actually expressly told to you that you don't really know who he is. Mm. Um, there's the the quote from Trillian, which I managed to find while you guys were chatting. Um, one of the major difficulties Trillian experienced in her relationship with Zaphod was learning to distinguish between him pretending to be stupid mm. just to get people off their guard, pretending to be stupid because he couldn't be bothered to think, and wanted someone else to do it for him, pretending to be outrageously stupid to hide the fact he actually didn't understand what was going on and really being genuinely stupid. Mm-hmm. He was renowned for being amazingly clever <laughs> and quite clearly was so, but not all the time, which obviously worried him, hence the act. He preferred people to be puzzled rather than contemptuous. 
So uh, uh, we, we are told within the story that we don't know who this guy is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's quite... I think that's quite interesting in the ways that you two are responding to him. Mm. It's like you you can you can choose to take what you want from this guy. Mm-hmm. Trillion chooses to take something from him. So are we we we're pushing our prejudices on cool people, people that are cooler than us, right? Yeah, or or sort of pseudo cool, maybe po- poseurs. It's a bit forced <laughs> his coolness. It's a bit forced. Well, it, it? It, it's massively forced. I mean, that, that that's the scene that um, that Danny brings up a lot, and 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 I know you know really appreciates when it, and it is a love. It is a lovely scene, and it's performed really well in the in the in the radio. Um, you know, second episode where um, Ford and Zayfard meet, and it's the whole. Hi, yeah, good to see you. Thanks for dropping in. Mm-hmm. Nice ship you've stolen. All that just. Hey, and and you know several million <laughs> points for style and and like it is like it, it is that that performative aspect of cool in a in a way that we cool meaning something slightly different to how we might mean it now sort of aloof um, cool now has a I think I, I think has a different connotation but but then it was about being unfazed by things and being completely just yeah <laughs> and um and and that, and it, it it is utterly forced and it's performed um and so hmm. I, like the people that i railed against at school were popular and yes zaphod was popular and so I mean, maybe that's it. You know, that they, they were both equally cool, but I would probably like Ford more because of the self-destructive instinct in him. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas Zayfod was actively trying to be a popular person, and he was a bully. Can I can I raise a, a new point of order? Mm. Is he a trustafarian? <gasps> because there's this mention of his grandfather that you brought up. Yes. Which suggests there's some sort of lineage of, of, of Zaphod's people. Yeah, but that's complicated because of a, an accident with a contraceptive and time machine. So that must play havoc with inheritance. Well, the idea that you could become a galactic president um, as a self-made man, um, I mean, barring the third mm. arm, is um, <laughs> absolute nonsense. Yes, <laughs> you've uh, you you are a you've got to be money from a from, from a dynasty, yeah, completely. I mean, I mean, nouveau riche. Uh, we, we we've seen how nouveau riche can can work, uh, even if it's only a generation removed. I mean, you know, Trump never made his money, but his dad did, um, and and you know that that's that's absolutely fine. So um, yeah, it only has to go a generation back. Um, but yeah, I guess he, he he does have to come from some kind of stock. What what was the uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago the. The phrase that um, Douglas came up with for aliens who kind of like uh, buzz undeveloped worlds. Oh, um, when they're teenagers, teasers. Yeah, is is he just is, is a lot of his shtick doing that on a kind of a big scale, like some sort of board? <laughs> he's, well, he's doing it to an entire civilization rather than just one. That's what I mean. Yeah, he's a he's a galactic troll. Yeah. Oh shit! He's intergalactic Keith Allen. <laughs> Keith Allen. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm actually now. You know, I often do this. I've decided now. I'm being a little bit harsh on Zayfod. Really, it's not. It's not his fault because he or his relatives or a, a committee of people mm-hmm. have messed with his brain. So, yeah, his personality is. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he must have had a fair old amount of that personality anyway, because it's the whole thing of the the people who want power should be the ones that are not 
to be given it uh and then you know we, we should be looking at the people who if you jangle a set of keys in front of them they you know their eyes dart off to where the keys are going um those are the people that you want to be in the seat of power so that the grown-ups can carry on with the actual ruling so there had to be because they screened they they, they wiped his brain in order to get him in office so he must have had that already um i mean I'm going to assume that he was like he was basically, I think, an intergalactic playboy because you had, you know, Eccentrica Galumbits, um described him as the best bang since the big one. He invented the Pangalactic <laughs> Gargle Blaster. I've got to believe that he did all these things in a previous life before running for office. Um, I'm now starting to wonder if he was more like a, um, a, a Robert Downey Jr. or uh, you know some some sort of uh, some sort of Rat Pack uh, Brat Pack ruffian um, from from back in the early nineties. Int- I mean, that, that's interesting. The wiping the brain so he can get he can get into office. That's yeah. interesting because obviously what uh, people do now is to try and wipe everybody else's mind to the evil things they've done yes. before they run for office. Yes, they do. Um, deleting their Twitter accounts, um, paying prostitutes lots of money, that sort of thing. Well, I mean, this is before this current wave of uh, political nonsense. But I always said I couldn't stand for office because of, I've not done anything awful, but I've done things that people would be able to bring up. <laughs> that guy from the YMCA is not going to forgive you for starters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Danny said, don't worry. You, we're, we're actually sort of turning the um, co- corner into an era of politics where you can front it out. Yeah. And he was right. Yeah, very much. Because you now totally can front it out. Mm. And if um, Douglas was writing The Hitchhikers today, and one, he would not have had to worry about the incredulity that um, a character such as David Beaglebox could be made galactic president. Yeah, it was he fine. genuinely would have not. Because, you know, even even though he's a different species and it's a, a different corner of the galaxy, he's, he is still white and uh, a male. So he would have been fine. So would you... If you were going to satirise the idea of this high office now, Mm. would Zayford be somebody much straighter? I don't know if we're far enough into that world yet. I I I feel like we've only got one outlier. And yes, he's a, you know, he is a giant, giant outlier. um, But I don't know if, if that is yet the norm enough where he can be set apart as being the the crazy normal guy but th- this is the problem if you're thinking about writing a novel you've got to think about four years ahead oh, of course um, you have of what you're gonna of what you're gonna satisfy because it takes a while to write it um, yeah but then it's not speculative fiction anymore is it <laughs> so you've got to think at least eight years ahead just go for the odd 36 years ahead like um jo- like like yeah, George Orwell does, and then um, you're fine i mean Do- doctor who kind of did this with the the thing with harriet jones mm. the idea of this this kind of very ordinary yes person who, who who becomes prime minister so maybe i'm still i'm still liking the idea oh yeah i mean I, I, it, it's got legs and it would it would feel now like if you were doing say for that you were just riffing on a trump thing even though he, even though he's not trump like in that regard he, but he's he's trump like in the there's enough things where it's like like the horoscopes um you read into it as much as you want to read into it so you you would mm. see trumpisms where perhaps it's just that there's shared you know weirdness between the two characters mm. so there was a in in the middle of the 2000s there was a, a drama starring jane horrocks 
Oh yes, who uh, it was called the Amazing Mrs. Pritchard, mm-hmm. and um, it had it was billed as a, a woman with sort of no experience of, politi- of politics suddenly becomes prime minister, sort of like King Ralph for politics, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> I think it was meant to be a sort of parable about um, how ordinary people would would be better at this sort of thing because they, you know, they, gen- you know, they weren't tainted by uh, influence essentially. Um, yeah, and that you could sort of do that uh, nowadays. What? Um, but the idea that you, rather than um, the idea that someone with absolutely no political experience or now becomes prime minister, rather than just someone who is prime minister, who you can't believe has had any experience and doesn't have any nows and somehow they are prime minister and they've got no idea what they're doing it's it would be that you i think that would be the that would be the satire that you could you could do but it would make them a totally different character they wouldn't be able to move the plot on in a hitchhiker's way <laughs> because they'd be going, uh have you um got two brains that we need to overlay brain scans over the top of each other to find your own signature have you uh ca- you know I mean, have, <laughs> have you invented a, a drink that will continually knock people out have you um have you got that third up no i uh <laughs> i used to work in a corner shop and uh you know and i became galactic president and uh, I'm just trying to rub along, really. I think we can, uh, we can, we can take a sensible middle ground on everything. We don't have to go looking for. I don't, <laughs> if people say we shouldn't go looking for the ancient planet of Magrathia, we probably shouldn't. The experts are right. <laughs> and that is the final episode in the series, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It is a rare one-part radio series. And now. And now to the man arguably behind the man. Hidden away in a pocket universe and played by Jonathan Price, Zani Whoop is the guy who uh, concocted the plan with Zaphod to steal the Heart of Gold in order to find out who really rules the universe. Since he was at one point or another employed by the guide, uh, Mr Bounds, I wonder if he was a man with journalism in his blood uh, that just wanted to grab one last big scoop. It's a big old scoop, isn't it? It's um, it's mm. an order of magnitude bigger than pretending that some British soldiers have pissed on some Iraqis, Piers Morgan, or um, <sighs> dressing up in a tea towel and persuading Sam Allardyce to say that he can uh, bribe England players or whatever it was <laughs> while he was drinking a pint of wine. <laughs> it's a step forward from the, sh- the fake shake, this is, isn't it? You go. <laughs> You're going to become a journalist so you can find out who rules the universe. It's, <laughs> it's a bold move. This is big. It's a bold move, anyway. This, we're going to put our top men yeah. on this. We're not going... I think... I mean, well, essentially... Why didn't they just hack everybody's phones? It would have been a damn sight easier. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing, though. In this day and age, if he got that scoop and the Hitchhiker's Guide, let's... let's um, Let's, the Hitchhiker's Guide, let's really be honest about it. It's not the, uh, Beetlejuicean Times. It's not the paper of record. No. It's, it would be sold as, oh no, if this is just a conspiracy theory, even if they got it. If they got the scoop, they couldn't print. They would. They'd been able to put it on the internet, and people. Uh, I don't agree with this direction. They'd be calling it was the canary. I've got. I've got Go a on. counterpoint, mate. Well, you, your Buzzfeeds. I still can't quite get over it, but they they they've got like some of the best investigative. Journalism. They actually do journalism, don't they? Yeah. yeah. 
BuzzFeed has done this. They've they've got some way of pivoting between six funniest cats, the fifth one will make you cry, mm. and and you'll you won't believe who the real ruler of the universe is. I'm, they haven't, John. They've just made all the other papers go really stupid. So they've stayed exactly the same level. So the only actual journalists we because. Don't forget the, the these are the they're researchers for the guide, aren't they? They are um yes. at the, mo- at the, the absolute most. They're the sort of the Bill Brysons of the uh of mm. the world. Maybe a little bit of Paul Auster. Um oh. Perhaps a little John Ronson? A little, a little, a little. There's already a little John Ronson. A soup. You couldn't get, you couldn't get a smaller John Ronson. <laughs> I went cruising around Beetlejuice, and you wouldn't believe the things I found. The things that you go up to, the the porn they watch. Oh, it's incredible. I'm John Ronson. <laughs> this is my voice. So, they, so it's yeah. It's not the. They're not hard. Hard fact hitting journalists. The only uh, real journalist we <laughs> meet in the the trilogy is. Um, trillion yeah and uh we never really see any of her journalism we're, i think we're meant to think that she doesn't need she doesn't really produce anything of any interest we think because it would be oh she just goes up jets off to cover a war hmm. but the i think the implication is that she's just a um i don't know a sort of a front Well, um, the only reason I make stuff um, on or for the internet is to connect with people. I don't have a lot of what you might call real-world social grace. So uh, in the same way that a cat drags in um, a half-dead mouse from the garden and lays it at someone's feet, I cobble together some nonsense, put it in the cloud, and hope that someone finds it and wants to chat about it. That's literally the main reason I do what I do, and pretty much the only reason I have a salary right now. So in um, May of um, 2017, I posted to Facebook that I'd had an idea for a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy podcast, and my three favourite people said they'd do it. Um and and then they dropped out, so I had to get these chuckleheads. Yeah. Oh, lads, lads, oh, yes. lads, lads, um, Predictably enough, uh, Mr. Hickman had detailed questions about the format um, and thought we'd struggle to fill 30 minutes. <laughs> Take the bones out of that. <laughs> Since then, we've covered somewhere in the region of 300 nouns, some of them proper nouns, like really, like really proper, proper nouns. Big grown-up nouns. Big grown-up nouns. The nouns on it. We... <laughs> Pick the nouns out of that. We nearly came to blows um, in our first Christmas special. Um, I've edited episodes in Brighton and New York and at 2am. But while we were in season, as it were, we never missed a week. And um, when you've got four people, three of whom have actual lives, that's no mean feat. Um, If you were with us from the start, you might remember that we used to do ads for Audible. Um, We dropped those pretty quickly when we realised it wasn't worth the effort and disruption to the show since nobody acted on them, Um, which is to be expected, really, as most of our listeners probably already had an Audible account or owned the books that we were talking about. Um, But we've always had a tiny audience, and that can make it tricky when you do have a life outside of the podcast because you can't always prioritise a hobby that costs you money over, like, life stuff. Um, But John, John and Danny put up with my badgering and pestering and helped me pick up the slack when um, it was getting a bit tedious in much the same way that I put up with John Bounds' numerous references to local chip shops or Danny's persistent and overwhelming desire to put his knob where it wasn't designed to go. Um, This show 
always took work to put together it was work to put it um to put all the topics in order to write a description and a question for each one to schedule the recordings think of bits comments and social media posts then edit the show so that um the sometimes two hour long chats that we had actually resembled something people would want to listen to but every week my co-hosts brought the funny and the fascinating and there was never a moment where i had to pad out an episode which you'd think would mean I'd talk less, but um, clearly you'd be wrong. But the hard work paid off because we have a body of work that I think we can all be proud of. And I hope you, our listener, um, have enjoyed. I can't thank my friends enough for coming along uh, along with me on this silly jaunt, um, for putting up with me stressing about what was, in the end, a quaint little side project. I've been not exactly depressed, but definitely not super happy for a good 20 months or so. And... Hanging out with the three idiots in my ears um, has been a highlight, I think. Um, well, I know um, that I'd have been far worse off without and will remember incredibly fondly. So thanks, lads. Um, and thank you, our listener, for sticking with us. Hopefully we've made your Thursday commutes a little easier. Um, by the way, no one's dying or anything. This is just a, like a panel show that's going away next week. Um, all right. Well, um, now it's time for me to uh, to pray silence for the great prophet who should be here any second now. The second coming of the great prophet Zarquan is highly anticipated and finally happens at Milliways just before the universe goes down the plug hole. Holy Zarquan's singing fish is an expression of surprise and alarm Zaphod uses when he falls out of the giant cup on Brontotol. Mr. Hickman, do you have any weird half-made-up or otherwise adapted exclamatory fa- uh, phrases? I wish I did. I wish I I wish I had a cool catchphrase. I wish I had a cool nickname. <laughs> I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I, oh, I don't I don't I don't I don't. I've got, you know, little I mean, we have we have little domestic memes. Mm. Which, you know, they they're not they're not really memes because there's only sort of two of us and they don't really change. <laughs> but we we've got we've got family catchphrases for 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 things. Um but beyond that, I don't. You don't invent your don't own. Have anything like swear words or anything? Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, it's it's a shame that on the last episode, like, like proper, that you do, you just make me feel so inadequate about myself, Mark. It's uh, okay, well, you terribly do, okay, you give me some advice here, John. <laughs> what do you do when your children are of the age that they start repeating words that you say, and you? Right. I mean, do I stop? Listening to the Today program because I can't listen to an episode of the Today program, uh, the like political news thing without telling someone to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, it would be okay for you to stop listening to the Today Today program generally as a as a lifestyle choice. John now. gives you permission. Come on, John, you're in your forties. <laughs> You can let it go. You've got so much more <laughs> left to live for. Right, I'll, I'll, <laughs> so much ahead of you, John. I'll, I'll widen it out. Someone's going to fuck. Someone's going to fuck me off at some point every day, right? Mm. And let's not make it you two. Yeah. And just tell me what I do. So you want to make up? You you basically want to make up some swear words? Is that what? Is that the best thing to do? Do you think? Because I can. I, yeah, but how how different to proper swears would they have to sound? Well, if you've, if you've ever heard Billy Connolly's routine, really not that different. You just have to become Glaswegian. <laughs> Get it for you, butter. <laughs> what was that? 
getty for your bassa. That sounded like very rude. Yeah, it does. It does, but it's just getty for your bassa. <laughs> your bassa. Getty for your bassa. That's amazing. He's he's also the one who introduced me to the phrase Jesus suffering fuck. I don't. I, yeah, I don't know. I quite liked the uh, thing in the good place, which I did not realise for a few episodes that uh, she was saying forking. Well, but, that, but it doesn't yeah, work yeah. because um, young children's pronunciations are not what it should be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the market, listeners. Um, if you want to give us a goodbye uh, present, I'm in the market for a swear. Um, I'd like it to be multi-purpose, Ooh, okay. so it can be so it can be uh, a noun, a verb, and an adjective. <laughs> yes, of course. If it's all po- and even an adverb, maybe. Or just simply, preferably, just preferably German sounding. I, I can't really do the guttural stuff. Um, ah, my accent's too uh, okay. soft. Apparently, I went and babysat my nephews uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we did a thing where we made up stories, and I got them to uh, give me a bunch of different like ingredients for a story, like a Mad Lib thing, mm-hmm. and said, you know, uh, think of um, uh, think of think of a, an animal that isn't a dinosaur because my um, littlest nephew is obsessed with dinosaurs right. um, and so he thought of a thing and, and I said think of um, think of you know because I'd like to I because I'm the uncle I can get away with this I like to be a little bit subversive so I said think of the think of a naughty word because it's fun to do that with kids uh, <laughs> when they're not yours and um, and so I can't remember the, the word that uh, that one of them came up with and they giggled and we had a lot of fun lovely and um the bigger the bigger one said, "I know the f word," and me being me, I was like, "Oh, you mean you mean fart?" And he was, "No, the f u c." And he's he's uh, eight. Um, it, well, he's not he's not eight yet, uh, and that was a quite a surprise. So I I then said, "All right, well, fair enough." Noted uh, conversation to have with the parents at some point, uh, and so I turned to to the one, and I said, "Now I want you to name me." the scariest place you can think of think of a really scary place and where's that gonna be and he said monster and we you know both said no that's not a place and so he sort of sort of panicked and got a bit flustered and then no word of lie the next name that came out of his mouth was stoke (laughs) (laughs) i have been and i would concur Now, um, rather anticlimactically, um, here's this last thing. On Zentel Quabula are found ancient alabastrum quarries, an elegant terrace on one of the planets um, that was home to the guide was carved from this stone. Lads, I'm out. I've, I've, I've got nothing. Quick. Someone say something funny about alabastrum. That's, that's what babies have when they're first born, isn't it? Oh, well, I mean, I suppose that's the curse of the alphabet, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> just sort of fizzles out. So, yeah, I mean, th- so this isn't the last episode. Like, th- this isn't the last um, regular episode. We will be back next week with our grand finale where we will solve everything uh, and we will figure out how the universe can be made a good and happy place. So um, let's not be downhearted. This is not um, the time to bicker and argue about who killed who. This is supposed to be a happy occasion. So This is au revoir. <laughs> this is. We, we just, I'll see you next Thursday. Um, <laughs> which, uh, so, yes, uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do. You can follow John Bounds at Bounder. Um, 
where he uh, talks about um, well mainly how irritating politics is you can follow John Hickman where he talks about his running podcast and how irritating politics is and uh, you can follow me where most of my tweets come from um, Zapier <laughs> so uh, that's 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 what you're going to get from us three uh, we will be back next week all four of us will be back for um, one mother of a blowout uh, that is what you will get from us next week uh, we're all going to get together and um, and and toast this uh, weird 20-month endeavour that we've been on. It's actually longer than that if you count the prep time. Uh, but uh, but that's fine. So, yeah, do... So no longer than that for us. No, no, indeed. Uh, but do join us uh, next week. Uh, until then, share and enjoy. This podcast is produced by Podient. To find out more, visit podiantproductions.com. Well, <laughs> that was lovely. Salute. Salute, yes. Yeah. Chin-chin. Chin-chin. Yeah. Come on then, Soph. It's been a while since she was here. Oh, poor Sophie. She, she hasn't been on tape for a while. She hasn't. She's here for the last... I can't believe she's made it for the last one. <laughs> Danny's not here. Oh, mate. Oh, sorry.